Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com, or if you are a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. Good morning, church, and welcome. We've got our choir with us today. And you guys, I know that there are so many people in this room that Jesus has brought you out of the deepest, darkest place. And if that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand in the air? Jesus is so good, and when I think about his goodness, when I think about his faithfulness, I can't help but respond in praise and in worship. So come on, put your hands together. Let's go.
sometimes I think it's just a good reminder to remember what he's already done. And I remember growing up in a little Pentecostal church and we sang a lot of acapella, had a lot of great moments with Jesus. And I remember hearing the words to this song and thinking, what a better shoulder to lean on. What better arms to rest in than those of the heavenly father, the creator of the universe. I can't rely on anything else. I can't rely on anyone else.
Bible says that God is enough for whatever you're facing. Now, a lot of times the stuff we face, we're like, oh, how am I ever going to get through this? What, what am I going to do? And what am I going to there's, there's no way out. But we worship a God who, who is enough. He can handle it all. So whatever it is that you're facing right now, would you give it to him? Would you just hand it over to him? And maybe, maybe you're just struggling right now with a, with a prognosis you've gotten from a doctor or a family member that's gotten that prognosis. And you're like, what am I going to do? What are we going to do? Or, or, or your check has just kind of gone down, you know, over the last few months. And you're thinking to yourself, man, how, how, how am I going to make it? Well, God is enough. And we get everything we have from his glorious riches. He's the great physician. He's the great healer. He's the one that can do all things. So whatever it is that's heavy upon your heart right now, let's, let's just pray for that, shall we? Lord, we just we come before you. Jaira, our God. Jaira, the one that is enough. And we just give you our issue. And whatever that issue is right now, I want you to just, to, just to give it to him. Lord, I give you our marriage. Just, it's not where it needs to be. Lord, I give you our kids. This feels like you're going crazy right now. Lord, I give you our health. I give you our finances. I give all these things to a God that is enough. And you're more than enough, God. You're gonna bless us. You're gonna take care of us. You, you have a plan for us. We praise you for that. We love you, God. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just minister to each one of our hearts individually that you give us the peace that passes all understanding to know everything's going to be all right. You got us. You got us. You never let us down in the past. You're not going to do that in the future. And if a storm's coming, we know you're going to be right by our side because you've never left our side. Thank you for that, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Let's give him a praise offering for that. God, you're so good to us, so more than enough. All right, good morning, church family. As you guys make your way back to your seats, thank you so much for being a part of our church family. Whether you're here live in person or you're online with us, thank you so much for being a part of Fellowship Church. We'd love to have a record of you guys being here with us. If you're a guest or a visitor today, if you would, just take out your smart device, your smartphone and text the word fellowship to 94,000. When you do, you'll be uh, linked over to uh, a site that will give you some more information about the church. Now, if you are visiting in service today, you don't have to do that, you can, but you can also swing by our information counter if you fill out a visitor's card there. Uh, you will receive a free specialty drink for you and everybody in your visiting party within our coffee shop. And uh, uh, they do really good drinks over there. So that's just a gift from us to you. Well, we're really, really excited about what's going on here at Fellowship. Uh, we do have a marriage retreat coming up in just a couple weeks. We were, we were, we, it filled up really super fast. You guys probably saw that, which is really cool. We were able, though, to negotiate with the hotel and get some more rooms. Uh, they are queen bed only, queen bed only uh, rooms, but if you would still like to go, uh, you can register and get those queen beds. Now, if you got a queen bed, that just means that you're more in love, right? That's good. You like to snuggle. You like to snuggle. So you can do that with a queen bed. Uh, but that's the 6th, 7th, and 8th that's coming up in a couple of weeks. It's in Breckenridge. It's $425 for the weekend. Uh, we start Thursday night and go through uh, Saturday. You'll be able to leave uh, or come back on Saturday after, after the retreat. But we've got real, a new curriculum. Really, really excited to be able to teach it. Rebecca and I are pumped. So I'd uh, love to have you guys be a part of that. Well, now we're starting a new series next week. And it is called Sunday Morning Revival, Sunday morning revival, and it's going to be for the month of October. Now, I don't know if you know what the definition of revival is, but the definition of revival is to reawaken to the things of God, to return to God himself. Now, a few weeks ago, we talked about the statistics of what COVID did to church attendance, church attendance overall, dropped at 27% on average throughout the country. And what we realized when we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago is that that is just an attack from the enemy, an attack from Satan to try to get his people away from the Lord. And so what it's done is it's caused a lot of us to be afraid to come to church or get out of the habit of church. So what we want to do for the month of October is get 
back to church, get back to the basics, get back to our foundation, which is our relationship with the Lord. Now, here's the thing. The world is crazy, and it ain't going to change. It's getting crazier, right? It's getting crazier. And I don't know if you know it, but Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. And the evidence is all around us. But what we want to do is we want to make sure that everybody that we know comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that everybody maybe that has fallen away from the Lord or maybe just has gotten out of the habit of coming to corporate worship, that they would get back into the habit. So if you haven't seen somebody in a while um, or if you know somebody that doesn't know Jesus, invite them over the next four weeks. October is going to be incredible, incredible. We have special services planned, specials planned each week. Our choir is going to be with us most of October, which is really, really cool. Yes. Thank you for that, by the way, choir. Uh, but that is going to be really, really awesome. We're super, super pumped and very excited to see what the Lord is going to do. So invite your friends, come ready and expectant to worship the Lord and to see him do something really, really cool. Well, we're going to continue to worship now the giving of tithes and offerings. I hope you've come prepared to give back today. You know all the ways you can give here at Fellowship. You can text tithe. You can tithe on a website. You can tithe through the Church Center app, which is the easiest probably way to do that. Or you can drop off your tithes and offerings in the boxes in the lobby. If you uh, need to be linked to one of those methods, you can scan the QR code right there on the screen, uh, and that will help you be able to get uh, to, to worship him or be able to worship him with a giving of tithes and offerings. And as you get ready to do that, whether you're here in the service or at home, let me say a prayer of blessing over you. Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much for the opportunity we can give back to you. And man, you have brought us through so many financial disasters personally in our finances, Lord. It's just been incredible. Things that should have devastated us, but no, Lord, you were right there. You have always been more than enough in our financial world, and we thank you for that, Lord. And I pray that as we give back to you, Lord, we do so with a cheerful heart. And that, Lord God, we would give, Lord, in an act of worship this morning and that we would do so and that everything that would come in would be to your honor and glory and sufficient for your needs. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you as you give, as you do. Here's a few more things that are happening here at Fellowship. You are going to want to mark your calendars because this Wednesday our young adults group is kicking off and we are starting Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. This is only $25 and that includes all of your material. It includes a dinner, which is going to be this Wednesday, so make sure you come hungry. It is also going to include large group activities as well as some bonfires and a lot of fun. If this season of life you are just needing more community and more connection, I would encourage you to sign up for Young Adults. Again, it's only $25 and you can sign up on the Church Center app. On October 23rd, we are doing baptisms. This is gonna happen in between the nine and the 11 o'clock service in 4640. This is such a great day that you're gonna to wanna to bring your friends, your family, take a lot of pictures and have them enjoy this day with you. Because baptism is an outward declaration of what God is doing in you. It is telling people God has made me a new creation and I wanna celebrate that. If that's something you're interested in doing, you can sign up on the Church Center app. We love life groups here at Fellowship Church and we want to encourage you to also join a life group. This is a great way to join a community of people who are like you, who are in the same stage of life that you are. So to hear a little bit more about life groups, here's one of the leaders, Felicia. I'm Felicia Walls and I have been here at Fellowship Church since I was in seventh grade and we've been in our group for probably going on 12 years now. It's really quite a blessing because we've grown into a group of friends that, you know, when we need something, we need a prayer, we say, hey, quick text. God never intended us to do this life alone and he has a desire and a passion and a love for us to have friendship and companionship with other people. We hold each other accountable in our walks with God and we hold each other up and we encourage each other and when things get tough, you know, we can pray over each other and help support each other. I think spiritually having a life group or people that you can do life with, it's just so important and it's so needed here. And having a group of people that you can do life with, it truly is a blessing and it truly is a gift, not just for me, but for my family for my husband, for my children. It's great for us to have the opportunity to just serve Jesus and honor Jesus uh, with a group of people. Take the next step, and part of that is just uh, putting yourself out there 
uh, participating in some of the groups that we have here at Fellowship Church. We've got tons of groups to fit people in different seasons of life and different ages and stages. We've got our rooted life group. We've got our men's group, our women's group, our mom's groups that we have. There's all kinds of opportunities for people to get connected and then surround themselves with people uh, who can help grow them in the congregation. If this is something that interests you, you can sign up on the Church Center app or you can get more information at the information counter. We are so excited for today's message and I hope you're ready for it as well.
I know I'm probably not supposed to say this, so don't tell anyone, but um, I hate small groups. I know, and they can be awkward, they can be uncomfortable, they can be obligatory, they can be repetitive, and then every year at this time we have this sermon series that talks all about the importance of them and how we need to have relationships and friendships and everyone should join a life group and I get this feeling like in the pit of my stomach and I just think, oh, I know that, but I don't like that. And when I really think about life groups and small groups on paper, I'm like, these are great. Like, they help people connect. They are great for growth. They're great for accountability. They're great for taking a big church and allowing it to feel small in some ways. Like, I get all of that. But in function, life groups can be hard. Because anytime you join a group, whether it's a friendship or a workplace or a marriage or a life group, inevitably it starts off just a little bit awkward. And you have to hang in there. You have to grow with that group of people to come out of the awkward into the sweet spot. And it's really easy to quit before you ever make it to that sweet spot. It can be hard to sit in someone's living room and, and try to get to know them. It can be challenging to attend a backyard barbecue and, and see if you might have something in common with anyone. It can be weird to stand on the sidelines of your kid's sporting event and chat with the other parents or to make small talk at the mailbox with a new neighbor. All of these things can be really hard. And spoiler, spoiler alert, Lavelle and I are leading a life group this fall. Um, so you guys should be in one. But um, they, they, can, they can be hard. But what do you do when you realize, I need connection? I need friendship. I need relationships. Or maybe you recognize already that you need a small group, but for whatever reason, it's not working yet. For me, this revelation has kind of led to a journey where I've gotten really introspective and I've started thinking like, why? Why do I find them uncomfortable sometimes? Why can they be sometimes awkward? And how do I take all of those lessons that I've learned and apply them, not just to small groups or life group, but also to all relationships that I might have in life and at Fellowship Church? We all crave real connection. We want someone to celebrate with, to laugh with, to to be with, to support us, to encourage us. We need someone to challenge us, to be better people and someone to grieve with when the time is right. Two of the closest friends I have um, in this world are complete opposite type people. If I were to describe the first friends as a, I would have to pick a breakfast food, I would go, she is a waffle. Like everything in its spot. Every category separated, it's like perfectly measured out, especially feelings for her. Feelings are in their own little box, exactly where they belong, never to come out by accident. And then our other really close girlfriend is the exact opposite. If I had to describe her, I would say she is a plate of spaghetti, just a tangled hot mess of feelings and thoughts and emotions and just ideas and dreams and all of it. And one of these women is a pediatrician. One is a marriage and family therapist. So our life together sounds a little bit like the beginning of a joke. A doctor, a therapist, and a pastor walk into a bar. But it's not a joke. It's actually my life, and my life is better because these women are in it. But how do we get to that? How do we get healthy relationships? We have to begin by honestly evaluating the relationships we have. We have to ask ourselves, are there any people in my life right now that I have that type of community with? And if not, are there any of those people that maybe if I just took a risk and I just allowed myself to be vulnerable and connect with them, that maybe with that group of people, I could create the type of community that we're talking about. And if not, then the truth is your best bet is to start a life group, lead a life group, or join a life group, because that life group can become a pond in which you can fish in. And not every relationship within that group is gonna become your new best friend, but it's just a great place to start to build those relationships. This morning we're concluding our series called I'm In with the topic of throw off the fake. 
And we're going to take a look at what holds us back from real and healthy relationships, whether in our life groups, in our marriages, in friendships, or in the workplace. Let's begin with the Bible. Hebrews 12 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and I'm going to stop right there for a second, the whole thing starts off with community. The whole thing starts off, the great crowd of witnesses are believers that have gone on before us, that are in heaven, that are watching us on earth, that are cheering and celebrating for our victories and urging us forward, and the whole thing begins in community. So therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Now, in this context, we see that there are things that we're supposed to throw off, things that we have got to get rid of if we're gonna run this life of faith. And so this morning, I'm gonna give us three things to throw off and three new habits to begin. So number one, throw off false armor. Instead, be vulnerable. Throw off false armor. Instead, be vulnerable. No one wants to get hurt in a relationship. No one wants heartbreak. No one wants to experience rejection. And so because of all that, we as humans tend to put on a protective front, like this barrier or buffer between ourselves and others so that we can keep our hearts from actually getting involved. And this false armor not only stops us from getting hurt, but it also can stop us from actually experiencing love and true connection. Armor is the fake talk that we do. It's the thing that signals that we aren't open to connection or relationship. So someone asks a question, how's it going? And you respond, live in the dream. What does that even mean? Or how's life? And you say, so busy. Or how are you feeling? Exhausted. Or how was your weekend? And you flip to the Broncos immediately. Armor is the flippant, superficial conversation that lets people around us know, I don't have time for this trivial relationship. It signals to them that you're not interested in being engaged, that you're in a rush and that you don't have time for some reason to connect. But really, you need to connect. It's just this fake armor that we're choosing to wear. So when we're armored up, we wear busyness as a badge of honor. We talk about schedules and activities. We use our phones as a distraction. We reply with sarcasm or jokes to conversation. We might even use our kids as a shield to not have to engage. And sometimes when we're wearing armor, we write people off for little infractions so that we have a reason not to connect with them. And many of us have been wearing armor for a long time, so long, in fact, we don't even recognize that we're wearing it. We just feel lonely and we don't exactly know why. When I first moved to college, I didn't know anyone in my Bible college. I actually didn't know anyone in the city of Minneapolis or the entire state of Minnesota. And as a result, I was walking through the dorms with my armor on. I did not know what to do because I looked around and I thought all these other kids seem to know each other. Maybe they went to school last year and I was just a freshman. They had met somewhere along the way at a church camp or conference or convention or they were from the same hometown and then there was me. And I remember just feeling like I am the only one who knows no one at this school. And we were... It was welcome week, that's the first week, and they really try hard to get everyone to try to get to know each other, and so we were playing all these dumb icebreaker type games, and one of the games, we had to say our birth dates, and so I said, I was born February 9th, and as soon as that game was done, this girl that I had never met came running over to me, and she's like, I was, I was born February 9th, and I looked at her wearing my armor, and I said, so? <laughs> right? Guess what? I care a lot about when that person's birthday is because they actually turned out to be one of my dearest friends. Um, she's here in my wedding right there. You can see that picture. I was in her wedding. I flew to Nepal where she was a missionary and spent some time with her. And also this summer, this is how you know, where this is like 25 years later, this summer she drove out from Illinois in a van with her seven children and husband 
to visit me, okay? So I care a lot when this person's birthday was, but in that moment, I was afraid. I was afraid of rejection, experiencing rejection, so my move was to reject her as quick as possible because it was uncomfortable in that moment. The false armor we wear signals to other people around us that we don't want connection or relationship. And we live with this lie as a society that at all costs, we must not appear vulnerable. Vulnerability bothers us as a society because we've distorted the definition of vulnerability. Dr. Brene Brown has been researching human connection and correlation between vulnerability, friendship, guilt, shame for 20 years. And she and her team have interviewed thousands of participants and accumulated over 400,000 pieces of research data on the topic of how do we connect. And she says that to understand how to do this, how to really make relationships, we first have to understand what vulnerability is not. And so vulnerability is not weakness. We've been taught for years that vulnerability is weakness, but it's not weakness, it's not oversharing. It's not talking about yourself constantly. It's not telling everyone details of your life. It's not indiscriminate sharing, just sharing with anyone who will listen. That's not vulnerability. It's sharing with a select group of people who you've built trust. It's not posting on social media the details of your heartbreak. It's not blabbing for everyone to overhear tons of personal things about your health. Vulnerability is actually defined by Brene Brown and her research team as courage. And here's the official definition. Vulnerability is defined as uncertainty, risk, or emotional exposure. And when we share our story with people who've earned the right to hear our story, we don't just share with anyone. Vulnerability minus boundaries is not vulnerability, it's awkward. Like the, the sharing has to take place in the right context. And when I think of biblical examples of people who've really shown what it means to connect through vulnerability, the number one that comes to mind is King David in the Old Testament, right? Here's a man's man, and what he does is he and his wife and his children, they've been kind of exiled, and they're in the wilderness, and they're literally living in caves and, and intenting camping type situations. And there's hundreds of other men and their families that are following with David. And they're in the wilderness together. And by default, they have to hunt and probably fish and have campfires and sit around and talk. And so I thought, can I find examples in the scripture that proves that they're just sitting around at the campfire, one-upping each other with war stories and stuff? And the truth was, I found the opposite. These people were sitting around the campfire talking. They were sharing hopes and dreams. There was poetry being written and shared. There was worship, there was prayer occurring, and these people lived in a rich community. And the New Testament example that comes to mind is Jesus, right? The 12 disciples walking around the countryside teaching together. But the most marked thing about Jesus in community is that at the very end of his life, he knew that his arrest was coming, he knew what the next week was going to unfold. He called together friends. Right, the 12, he said, will you come and will you pray with me? And then he called even closer the three, Peter, James, and John, and he said, will you guys pray with me? He wept in front of them and he asked for prayer for something really significant and important to him. That's community. And vulnerability matters because there is no belonging without community. We can't really experience love and, and joy outside of relationships. Think about everything that really makes you happy, everything that you truly love. It all comes back to relationships and people, and maybe tacos. But vulnerability looks like the courage to ask someone for help. Vulnerability looks like the guts to invite someone in. Vulnerability looks like the boldness to share part of your story with someone that you trust or the choice to talk about real things with people that you care about. I really want wrestled with whether to say something or not, and I'm, the truth is I'm kind of afraid to, but I'm just going to go for it, and I'm going to do it. So men, if you would, would you just let me for one minute talk to you as a sister in Christ? Because I feel like I need to say something to you that is 
maybe something that the women in your life are afraid to say or just don't know how to say yet. And it's this, we need you. We need you not just to show up financially, not just to show up physically, but we need you to show up in our lives emotionally. We need you to take off the armor that maybe you're wearing in the workplace or other guys set. We need you to take that armor off and let us see your true heart. Let us see who you really are. And not only us, but our kids need it as well. Our, our sons need to see you cry every once in a while and own a mistake. And our daughters need to hear you share a time with tears in your eyes about how you were hurt or something went wrong and you experienced rejection. And as an adult now, I can look back at my childhood. Some of the most incredible memories I have of my dad are the moments that he was courageous enough to show up emotionally and be real with me. To, with, with tears in his eyes and, and passion in his voice to explain some of the things that he regrets or, or wishes he hadn't done. Those are the moments. Now, I remember all the other moments too, the tool belt moments and the manly moments that my dad um, had with me before he went to heaven. But the ones that I truly treasure and the ones that I come back to in my mind are the ones where he had enough courage to simply be vulnerable. But we wear this armor because we have a nagging feeling as a society that we are not enough. We think, what if, I'm, what if I'm not enough? What if I'm not cool enough or strong enough or man enough or smart enough or together enough or talented enough? What if I'm not enough to change for or enough of a parent or I'm not enough to love? And that's why the second truth is so important. The second thing is throw off shame, instead connect. In the opening pages of the Bible, we have this beautiful scene. It's Adam and Eve. They're in a garden. They're in perfect community with God and one another. And the Bible says that they were naked and unashamed. Now, naked here literally refers to wearing no clothes. But it also refers to being open, being exposed, being vulnerable, and maybe wearing no armor. And they were in community, and they shared with no reserve. Genesis 2.25 literally states, and the man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Now, personally, I'm a huge advocate of clothing. And that's not my point here, but my point is, how beautiful is this? To simply be in community, to be your true self, and feel no shame. That's an incredible concept. In the very next chapter, Genesis chapter 3, we see Adam and Eve, and they've eaten the fruit of the, tree, of the tree that they weren't supposed to eat. Sin has entered the world, and immediately, so has shame. And as a result, Adam and Eve begin to cover themselves up. There's fig leaves, there's bushes, they're hiding, and God comes into the garden to find them, and he's searching for them, probably already knows where they're at, but he's calling to them, and he's trying to invite them in. And from that moment on, humanity, Adam and Eve hid in that moment, and humanity has been hiding from God and hiding from one another ever since. When we mess up, our first instinct is to hide, to cover ourselves up before God and to cover ourselves up in the eyes of other people around us. We don't want anyone to see us struggle. We don't want anyone to know that we failed. We want to control our image. But God he comes into the garden knowing what's happened. And what he does is he invites Adam and he invites Eve to come out of hiding. He invites them to share their story, to say what happened. Why did you eat the fruit? Why are you hiding? These are the questions. And he's inviting them into connection, connection with him and connection ultimately with one another. And incidentally, by the way, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it tells us plainly, there is therefore no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. We're not being condemned. God doesn't condemn us. We, we condemn ourselves. We need this connection, but what we want is connection. What we need is connection, but what we do is we run and we hide in our shame. And did you catch that in chapter 8, verse 1? It says, we belong to Christ. We already are accepted. We're already in this state of belonging. But when we feel ashamed, what we do is we hide. We hide from God. We hide from each other. We build walls. We put on that false armor. So God, God wants us to know we're not condemned, 
But shame wants us to know. Shame tells us you're the only one. No one will ever understand what you've done or said or thought. Shame says run and hide, don't talk about it. They will judge you. And shame demands disconnection. But if we can throw off shame and instead connect, that's a game changer. Recently I had a parenting moment that it was cringy, okay? It was a fail. And the more I thought about it, the more ashamed I became. And what I wanted to do was pull away from God and definitely not talk about what had happened. But instead, I called my friend, the spaghetti one with all the feelings and thoughts, and I told her the whole story, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And then I asked her, how long in therapy is it gonna take you to fix my kid? For like what I did and said, and she listened to my story, and she didn't judge me, she didn't condemn me, she challenged me, she's like, yeah, do this next time instead. And she gave me some pointers and, and challenged me to be better. But in the end, she also said, me too. Me too. I've messed up with my kids. I've done some cringy parenting things. I've made some mistakes. And when she said me too, that was so freeing because I connected. Instead of disconnecting, I felt heard and seen and understood. And I recognized that's exactly what I needed. The Bible says it this way in James chapter 5. He says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So when we go to someone and we talk about it and, we, and they say, yeah, yeah, me too, then shame loses its foothold and connection comes and replaces disconnection. And sometimes it's not even about confessing sin. It's about just confessing struggle. It's confessing insecurity or hurt or stress. We might say, I'm overwhelmed, I'm frustrated, I'm, I'm hurt, I'm angry, I'm depressed. And when we say I feel maxed out or anxious, we're confessing those things. And instead of hiding from that, we're being vulnerable and we're experiencing connection. So the question becomes, who is that person? Who is that person that you can call when you're in a shame storm like I was that day and talk about it? Who, who is that person that you can bring your story to about your parenting or a fight with a spouse or a sin struggle or maybe a failure at work? And if you don't have those people yet, then take the risk. Take the risk to create those relationships out of the existing relationship you have to like move it forward or sign up for a life group, lead a life group, join one so that you can begin building towards it. The third truth is this. Throw off false perceptions. Instead, check your story. Dr. Brene Brown says we're neurologically hardwired to have to make sense of our hurt as fast as we can. And so we'll come up with a story to provide closure to ourselves. And our brain wants closure, our brain wants conclusion, even if the story has to be made up. So say we feel rejected. We don't know why. And so our brains are stressed and our neurological systems have to create a story to just conclude this issue. And so once the story is created, our brain rewards us with dopamine. We feel good. It does not matter if that story is true at all. It just matters that our brain has closure to that situation. So let me break it down. Let's say that I finish this sermon and I'm walking and I run into Tim. And I say to Tim, hey, Tim, thanks for letting me speak this morning. And Tim says, and just keeps walking. Immediately, I feel hurt. I feel rejected in that moment. And so my brain wants to create a story of why he would do that. And so I might say to myself, I knew it. Tim never liked me. He is jealous of me. I have these blonde flowing locks, and he's got nothing. So I create this narrative, right? And I tell myself, and my brain is happy, it has closure, dopamine, and I move on. But then the next time I see Tim, maybe the next time I think I have those feelings still, that, that he was judging me and that he didn't even like me. And so now I treat him and I interact with Tim as if that story is true. And so then I begin to nitpick him. I begin to say, oh, yeah. Now he's, he, because I justify, he started it. He started it because he's nitpicking me, but in reality, that entire scenario is completely false. What if Tim was just pouting because LSU is not going to win the national championship this year? <laughs> or what if the, he's just craving chicken wings and he's trying to figure out how to talk Rebecca into going out for them? Or what if the guy just simply didn't hear me? 
And so we create these stories, and most of the time we create a story where we ourselves are the center of the story, where we're the star of that story. But chances are, Tim, who's usually a pretty good boss, probably just didn't hear me. He probably said, huh, for something that had nothing to do with me. And I have to be willing to check my story if I wanna have relationship and connection in the workplace. Because many times we pull away from connection. We pull away from relationship because of a false perception. We've told ourselves a story to bring closure to our brain that was never true in the first place. So ask yourself, like I'm gonna give some scenarios and just ask yourself, what story would I tell myself if I heard that? So imagine that you and a friend had planned to go for coffee and it comes to the moment and they flake on you and you're there by yourself at Starbucks. What do you tell yourself? Or imagine that your wife leaves a bunch of stuff right in the middle of the garage. Or imagine your coworker walks past without saying hello, or you call a friend in a moment of need and they never call you back. Each time we're gonna feel stress, anxiety, and we're gonna create a story. So maybe we tell ourselves they don't like me, they don't value me, they don't care about anyone but themselves, or I'm putting more into this relationship than, than they are or than I'm getting out of it. And what if that is a false perception that's just sabotaging that relationship? Like, what if there's a real reason? Like, they couldn't call you back because the phone fell in the toilet. Or they, the coworker just lost their mom that week, and so they didn't even see you there. Or, or what, okay, as a wife, I know that there's never an excuse to leave a pile of things in the middle of the garage. So just move on. The solution is <laughs> that we have to throw off these false perceptions. We, we have to do it. And the Bible tells us how. In Romans chapter 12, it says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. When we renew our mind, what we're doing is we're taking our perception off. We're saying, I'm not going to look at it through the lens of my hurt, my anger, my loss, my betrayal. Instead, I'm going to look at life through the perception of how God sees it. What, what is how he sees the world and how he sees this situation? And we have to be willing to challenge and check our stories. So I've been studying this stuff like crazy, and so I thought, I'm going to try this on my kid. And so he got in the car after school one day, and um, things seemed fine. And within a minute, he was grumpy and crabby and kind of harsh with me. And so I took a deep breath, and I'm like, I'm going to try this. So I said, the story I'm telling myself is that you're mad at me. And he looks at me like I'm crazy, and he's like, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at my substitute teacher. I was trying to help her with her computer, and she was mean to me and rude, and I don't understand why. And I realized, wait, this isn't about me at all. This is about my kid. He's the center of this story. So we talked about it, talked about his feelings and junk. And then at the end of all of that, <laughs> he looks at me. He looks at me, and he, you can tell he feels connected. You can tell he, he feels heard. But what if I hadn't had the guts to challenge the story that I was telling myself? We have to be aware of what is the story and is the story even accurate? And I wasn't brave enough to do that. That's why I started with my kid, but it worked out. We are neurologically hardwired for connection. And without connection, without the absence of connection or love or belonging, there is always pain and suffering. There's always isolation and loneliness and we, we have to decide, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's awkward. Yeah, it's scary to go to a new life group or to start a new friendship or to walk up to an existing friend and, and start the challenge of being vulnerable. That's hard and scary, but not as hard and scary as coming to the end of our lives and realizing we don't have the meaningful connections that we needed to make this whole life worth it. And so what's your next step? What's the next step that you need to take? Is it to join a life group? Is it to go to the life group you're already in and say, hey guys, we're still in this awkward phase and I'm gonna go first by, making, by getting real? Is it asking a friend that you've had a friendship with for years for prayer about something that actually matters? Is it taking off the armor with the wife and kids? What is that next step for you to get from a surfacey place to a place where you feel like you have real and true connection. Let's pray. God, you made us. You know that we need connection. And we ask that you would help each one in this room to find it. 
or to develop it or to take the risk to have it and that you would help us to maintain it once we get it. God, help us to value it. And I ask for a supernatural blessing on everyone within this church family this morning, that you would strengthen us in our friendships, in our relationships, in our marriages, in our singleness, in all the stages. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, guys, we love you, and we'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you've not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text the word heaven to 94,000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions that you might have. And also, if you're in need of prayer, we'd love to support you. You can submit your prayer requests by texting prayer support to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries here, text the word fellowship to 94000 to connect with our staff today. And as always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. And thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.